this is this is our last Friday to talk about this idea of what I, what we were made for. And it's been really good. It's been really good. Um, we started off by just saying, like, for, we kind of asked by show of hands, how many of you have thought at some point in the last week, what on earth am I going to do with the rest of my life? And everybody's like, yep, that's kind of my week to week. We know it's important. And, and so we wanted to get into this because I think that you can actually know God's deepest purpose for your life. You can know. And I'll tell you the difference between living your life just sort of hopping from opportunity to opportunity, what you think would make you happy, to actually getting to the place where you get to live your life deeply full of meaning and purpose is like incomparable. There's no question that all of a sudden everything just does come to life when you're following God's purpose. And, and I just need to say how much I so appreciate um, Kirsten's message last week on God's purpose for our lives. And, and, and I need to be honest with you and just say that I really believe that she has captured God's heart for you so well. And if you missed it, as you heard earlier, you can listen to it on our website. We, we're being faithful to upload podcasts. This is our New Year's resolution. Um, you know, and you can go to our website. You can listen to that podcast. You can, you can hear what, what she had to say. Um, but if you, if you weren't here and you haven't heard it yet, last week, Kirsten was just sharing the idea that it doesn't matter who you are or what your story is or what your background is or how many mistakes you've made. God's deepest purpose for your life is a redemption that affects not only you, but, but everyone around you. It begins to affect your, your whole world. It's funny, that's actually just sort of in that place of worship that we left off just now is kind of in that same place. The idea is that the, the redemption and the work that God has for your life is so much greater than just about you. A life that's full of redemption brings redemption. And a life that's full of grace brings grace. And that's what God's plan for you is. God heals your brokenness and makes your life a city of life that brings hope and purpose. And that is God's purpose for every believer. So I want to build a little bit on that idea tonight. Um, you know, with the part of God's will for our life that I actually think is probably the most mysterious and the most confusing. It's probably a really good place for us to end up on. So you can go ahead and roll uh, the intro video and um, we'll, we'll jump right on into it. I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is what do you do when you're walking along in your life and you're living out that calling? Like, you know, you're letting God in. You're letting God redeem the, the places of hurt and brokenness. And as a result, like you actually are making Jesus look beautiful. What do you do when you're living that life, when, when you're actually hitting your purpose? But then... Deep inside you, you kind of have this gnawing feeling 
on the edge of your heart that even though I'm doing all of this, I, I was still made for more than the moment, more than this moment, more than what I'm experiencing. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I, I have, and I can tell you it's a haunting feeling. When, when you know that it's like, I'm loving Jesus, I'm going after him, but I was still made for more than this. I remember actually I was 13 years old. I just lived out very much the message that Kirsten spoke on yesterday. See, my life up to that point had been full of pain and disappointment and abandonment. And only a few weeks earlier, I had seriously considered uh, the idea of taking my own life because of the depth of loneliness and pain that I had been experiencing. And it felt like kind of what happened to me, the only way I could explain it would really be to say it was like a conspiracy of hope because God's grace literally invaded my darkest night. You know, you don't understand how bad it was for me. Like all of the guilt and all of the pain and all the disappointment was literally swallowed up in this incredible moment where I remember where I just brought everything about me to God. And coming to that moment, it was incredible. And I still remember, it was a Monday night. It was a Monday night. It was at Brayside Youth Camp in Paris, Ontario. And I'd grown up going to church. I knew all about God, but, but up until that moment, I, I didn't know just how real he was and what he was going to do in my life. And in the calm that followed this great moment where I was able to, to come to Jesus and give him everything, um, there was this huge shift in my life. All of a sudden, it was just like I became aware that there's, there's something else. And it's hard to explain. And it wasn't just this general sense that God's redemption of my life was going to make him look beautiful. It went well beyond that. It went so far beyond that. I just remember wrestling with the question, how do we know when God is calling us to something specific? You see, that's the big question. We know that every Christian is called to make Jesus look beautiful, but, the next one, how can we know if God is actually speaking us in, speaking right to us right in this moment to actually take us beyond this general sense of your life's purpose to make God look beautiful, great, but what about the specifics? Because that's the kind of the big thing. Like, do we just find out that, hey, God's purpose for your life is, you know, just he'll redeem you, he'll make you look beautiful, great, and that's all you'll ever hear from him and, and off you go. I don't think so. But then how do we figure this out? Have you ever had a moment where you're like, I think God's talking to me, but I'm not sure. Maybe it's just me. Has this, has this happened to anyone besides me where you sit there and you're just wondering, like, God, is that you? Is, is it really you? Like, I kind of have this impression in my heart that maybe I should do this, but that's really freaky. And so I don't know that if it's you, God, because, you know, you, we all know that God would never ask us to do anything freaky, right? No, he probably will ask you to do something freaky. And that's the thing. We wrestle with that. And, I mean, every Christian is called to make Jesus look beautiful, and I understand that not everyone is called specifically to say to be a pastor or to be a missionary or, or whatever. I get that. The problem is not those two facts. I understood that. The problem is, how do I know if God is calling me to something specific? How do I know if? Like, how could I know? How, I mean, even if I could trust the voice that I thought might be God, the truth is that I wasn't actually even sure if I knew what that voice was saying. And so there I stood. I remember it was a Tuesday night, 24 hours after having my sin, my guilt, my pain, my shame just completely wiped away from Jesus. I'm standing there and I just remember feeling bewildered and astonished and wondering and saying, what's going on 
God, even if I trusted your voice, I'm not sure what it's saying. I know I'm not the only one. I know that because I've talked to some of you guys about this exact thing. And I, and I kind of wonder when I look out at a, this whole group of people here, how many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? It's not even that it's necessarily about a career or something that we're going to do for the rest of our lives, but how do we know if God is actually speaking to us in this moment to say, hey, this right here, this is my plan for you. This is a part of your destiny. We want to know that if God is speaking to us like that, that we're not going to miss it. I can't imagine how bad it would be to get to the end of your life and you look back and you'd be like, well, hold, hold on, you mean you had specific things that you put me here for? I, I missed that. I don't want to be that guy. But let's be honest, the first question is, does God actually speak to us like that? Does he actually show up and say those things? And the truth is that we actually see story after story after story in the Bible saying, yes, God does. And it's not something that's reserved for super spiritual giants and prophets. I really believe that there will be a moment in all of our lives where God will come and say, this is for now, this is specific, and this is what I made you for. And the question is, when that happens, will you be ready for that? Will you be ready for God actually speaking into your life and saying, this is what I made you for? This is why you're here, and this is what I have for you. So, you might get a clue. We're about to go through a story. It's comical. That's a joke. Did you get it? It's comical? Come on. I try. I'm not even allowed to tell jokes. Thanks. When I put the podcast up, I should add like a laugh track so it sounds like it was a good joke. It was like, oh, it's awesome. You know. Okay, anyways, it's a bad joke. Okay, so here's a, here's a story about this. We read, it, we read a story about this happening to, to two people. And it happens very radically in their lives. It's in Acts chapter 9. And, and it's the incredible story of God calling people to something specific. And so I'm going to read it for you. And as I'm reading it, um, you can follow along in the comic version if you like, or you can close your eyes and listen to the other regular version. It's kind of whatever you want to do. But here's, here's what it says. All this time, Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples out for the kill. And he went on to the chief priest, and he gets arrest warrants to take to the meeting places in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who was a follower of Jesus, whether they're a man or a woman, he could arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem. And so he set off. And when he got to the outskirts of Damascus, he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. And as he fell to the ground, he heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? And he said, who are you, master? And he said, I am Jesus, the one that you're hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city. In the city, you'll be told what to do next. And so his companions stood there dumbstruck because they couldn't hear the sound and they couldn't see anyone while Saul, picking himself up off the ground, found himself stone blind. They had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. He continued blind for three days. He ate nothing. He drank nothing. And there was a disciple in Damascus by the name of Ananias and the master spoke to him in a vision. You can go to the next slide. Ananias, Jesus said, yes, my master, he answered, get up and go over to Straight Avenue and ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus. His name is Saul. 
He's there praying, and he just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias enter the house and lay hands on him so that he could see again. But Ananias protested. He said, Master, you cannot be serious. Everybody is talking about this Saul, this man who's done terrible things. It's been a reign of terror against everybody who follows you in Jerusalem. And now he's shown up here with papers from the chief priests that give him a license to do the same to us. But Jesus said, don't argue, go. I have picked him as my personal representative to non-Jews and kings and Jews, and now I'm about to show him what he's in for, the hard suffering that goes with this job. So Ananias went and found the house, and he placed his hands on blind Saul. And he said, Brother Saul, the Master, Jesus Christ, sent me. The same Jesus you saw on your way here. He sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And no sooner were the words out of his mouth than something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see them again. He could see again. And he got to his feet. And Saul was baptized, and he sat down with them for a meal. You can go to the next one. It's a story of two men, both of whose lives fit right into last week's message. I mean, they, they both exist to bring glory to God and shine like a light for Him. But they also had something really specific, something that God was calling them to do uniquely. And they discovered those callings in radically different ways. First of all, I mean, there's Saul. This is a guy who hates Christians. Like, hates them. The Bible tells us that he, he's Jewish and he's very zealous, but he felt like his life's purpose was to hunt down, imprison, or execute people who follow Jesus. But then God shows up and God's got different plans. In this case, it, it wasn't enough for God to intervene in Saul's life and, and save him and speak to his heart and then just set him loose to live an ordinary life that brings glory to God. It's interesting how God does that. You know, in Saul's case, God seemed to decide, no, no, no way. For you, Saul, I'm going to call you to something actually really specific. In fact, Saul, you're going to speak for me. More than a preacher, Saul, you're going to plant churches all over the known world. I'm going to use you, Saul, to write almost half the New Testament. In fact, I don't just have a plan for what your life will accomplish. I have a plan for how you're going to accomplish it. And since you don't want to listen to me, I'm going to knock you off your horse to get your attention. I'm going to rock your world and make it clear that you have nothing else in your life and that you are called to besides being a full-time missionary church planter. And that is exactly what we see in this story. It's exactly what we see. It's kind of ironic that God picks the guy who's out there shutting down churches, who's out there arresting Christians, to then turn him around and call him to plant churches and disciple Christians. That's just kind of God's sense of irony. Some of you may find that you know, the specific calling that comes out of your life is strangely connected with your past. That somebody who used to spend their time and their energy partying it up, living a life that's just so dishonorable to God, ends up being called specifically to speak about Jesus to those in that lifestyle. God is just full of that sense of irony, and it's amazing what he does that way. What's interesting 
is what God does through the other man in the story. Someone simply referred to as a disciple. Do you know what it means when they say that, you know, and to Ananias, a disciple? It just means that Ananias is a Christian. He's just being faithful. He's just being a Christian. He's somebody who's just, he's following Jesus and, and, and just living it out. He's, he's fair and he's honest in his dealings. And, you know, the hope and the grace that's in his life is giving hope and grace to others as, as he goes to work and as he raises his kids and as he lives his life. And it's this seemingly ordinary Christian that Jesus just taps on the shoulder one day. And you, you, read, you heard what happened. Just taps him on the shoulder. He's like, hey, Ananias, I have a job for you. Get up and go. And Ananias has a million reasons not to. He's heard of Saul. He's thinking, number one, that guy's dangerous. Number two, he's thinking, couldn't you just ask my pastor? Because, like, he signed up for this. I didn't. Number three, he's thinking, okay, actually, why me? But Ananias, was he was the man for the job. And you know what's funny? This is the only time that we actually hear about this guy Ananias in the whole New Testament. We don't read about, like, you know, later on, it's like, and these were the adventures of Ananias, the blind sight restorer. Like, you know, you don't get that. It's like he shows up in this one part of the story, and then he's gone. This was his destiny moment. And guess what? He didn't miss it. Because Ananias was obedient to God to step out of what he was comfortable with and just go. You ever think about this? There's a guy who's just living his life. He just loves that Jesus has saved him. Just following him. But he has this one moment that is so significant that it actually gets recorded in the Bible. It's this incredible destiny moment. And he didn't miss it. Saul's vision was restored. And when you read the rest of the story, well, look what happens. Saul gives his life to Jesus. He changes his name to Paul. And he becomes the most prolific preacher in the New Testament. He gives his life when he preaches the gospel to the emperor of Rome himself after planting dozens of churches and writing almost half the New Testament. Now, because of Paul the emperor of Rome himself heard the gospel. But why did that happen? It happened because Ananias was faithful and obedient to answer God's specific call at a moment in his life. Ananias found out that when you answer God's call, you have no idea what the ripple effect will be. Ananias didn't know that when Jesus says, hey, Ananias, tomorrow, instead of going to work, you're going to go to this house and there's a guy named Saul there. And I want you to pray for him. I'm going to give him his sight back. And then Ananias is like, I don't think that's a good idea because Saul hates Christians and he might have me killed. And then Jesus is like, no, you don't understand. I chose him. And so he has this decision because he did what Jesus told him to do. Saul became Paul. And we have half the New Testament and churches are planted. I wonder if you've ever thought about that. He's just a simple Christian. But his life set events into motion that would change the world. 
You see, like we talked about last week, we, we know what God's general call in every life is, to let Christ shine in your heart and through your life that you would, you would shine like a city on a hill. But there's a time when God may call you to something specific. And as you can see in this story, sometimes God calls you to something specific for the rest of your life, just like Saul. When he got knocked off the horse, I mean, Jesus is saying, I'm changing your career path. For the rest of your life, this is what you're going to do. Just like on that day when I was 13 that God spoke to my heart clearly and openly that I was called to be a pastor. And that was it. And that was what my life is going to be. And nothing else is going to matter. I get that experience. And, and you know what? The truth is there are some of you in this room that actually you, you sense that call from God in your life. You know, you may be called to enter the ministry as a full-time career. Not everyone is called to do that. I understand that. But those that God calls into ministry, you know, believe me, are not any more spiritual than anybody else. You're not. It's just that he calls some of us to devote our lives to serving his church, to preaching the gospel, to encouraging believers, to teaching people about Jesus so that those disciples of Jesus can get out there and fulfill their purpose to make Jesus look beautiful, to let the risen Christ make their lives shine. If you're called to the ministry, if you personally, I mean, if you've experienced this and you feel like, you know, God might be calling me to this, like he might actually be calling me to, to do this ministry thing. The truth is, there's no greater joy in your life. I mean, you, you wouldn't be able or happy or happy to do anything else. And if you sense that God's calling you there, then you need to be obedient. And just a word to some of you, I know that there's some of you that you may experience and think that, you know, Jesus is kind of calling me to ministry, but I'm just going to fight it. Because ain't God going to tell me what to do? I'm not going to be no broke pastor not making any money. Putting up with crazy stuff all the time. Staying up late at McDonald's, talking to kids all the time. Actually, that part doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> if this is what God calls you to do with your life, there's nothing else going to make you happier. And if you actually try to run away from it, God will just knock you off a horse. Like, good luck. Good luck getting away from that. God will just knock your butt off a horse. And then Ananias will have to come and fix your eyes. Okay, so there you go. But you know what? When God does that, sometimes we want to say, well, hold on a second, I already have plans. Like, I'm on this horse going somewhere, Jesus. I've started down a career and education path. I've kind of got this figured out. And you know what God always says when we give him good excuses like that about why we can't obey him? He just kind of says, so what? You're kind of like, but you know, God, I actually have this really neat and tidy plan for my life. You see, and I've, I've already done, started this and this, and this is leading to this, and this will be quite a lucrative career, and I've always wanted to be an accountant. And Jesus is like, I don't care. Because I made you. So I get to tell you what you do with your life. Like, but, but Jesus... Pastors just drink coffee and all the time and sit at their desk and they start off so fit and good looking and then by the time they're 31, they're chubby because they don't get out ever. And I don't want to be destined to a life of ministry belly fat. Jesus, do not send me down that road. And Jesus says, oh, I'm going to send you down that road. You better buy you some bigger pants. 
See, the thing is, we have all sorts of excuses of why we can't follow Jesus. But then Jesus is like, I don't care. Do not make me knock you off a horse. I will do it. I could tell you story after story of people who thought they could run away from the calling of God in their life, but God will find you. And I just want to challenge you, if you feel like God's calling you into ministry, you need to obey. You need to step out into it. You know, and that might mean going into Bible college, or maybe it means talking to us about the the Vertigo co-op program. It might mean shifting your focus. It might mean making plans to leave your job. It might mean doing anything else. But the thing is this, all of the details are irrelevant. It's just that if God has called you, you must obey. There are people in this room, though, that God has not called you to be a pastor. He didn't call you to plant churches or to be a missionary or to become a Bible college professor. But he has called you to something specific nonetheless. And and maybe you're just beginning to get a sense of it. But here's what God is doing. He wants to put you in a specific place, in a specific time, so something incredible can happen. And to be honest with you, that's why I wanted. It's so cool how we just got our missions trip confirmation on Wednesday, and here we get to talk about it this way. Because I'll tell you what, last year's missions trip was a bunch of people who specifically wound up in a specific place at a specific time, so something incredible can happen. I've led a lot of mission trips. I've not seen things like that happen where everything comes together and God just like delights in it and people's lives are changed. And that happened not because 15 people were called into full-time ministry to be like, well, we better all become pastors and go to Bible college. It's because 15 people got a tap on the shoulder that said, hey, get up and go to North Spirit Lake. And then there's all the reasons, right? It's like, well, but it costs $875 and I have a quarter, um, so that's a good start. Uh, No, I'm not going. But you know what happens is God just starts nagging on your heart. And before you know it, you're like, okay, okay, I get it. Okay, God, I'll obey you. And you know what happened when 15 people answered the call to be in a specific place at a specific time? Something incredible happened. And kids' lives got changed. And I can tell you story after story of things that happened in that community on that trip that would blow your mind. And they didn't know the ripple effects that would happen. I'm just going to say things that I forgot. I meant I had a note, like, get permission to say this, and I forgot. So I'm going to ask for forgiveness in advance for not asking permission. But let me just, can I just speak candidly about that? Okay, so last week, Kirsten preached our message. But you know what's interesting is that last year, before going to North Spirit Lake, she was kind of afraid, like Ananias. She wasn't even sure. When I called her and said, can you... Oh, you are in the room. Good. I'm telling your story. How's that? Is this okay? Forgive me. I'll buy, you, I'll buy you a coffee. Sorry. Penance. Okay, thank you. When I called Kirsten and said, Kirsten, I was praying about it, and I just felt like God put you on my heart that you need to help me lead this missions team. And she's like, I don't know if I should do that, because I don't think I'm capable of that. And I was like, well, I think God kind of told me that you should do it, so that's why you're capable of it. Um, but anyways... In obedience, because she stepped on obedience at the right time she went, and God not only used her in an incredible way in that trip, but God actually used that trip to shape where she's going for the rest of her life. And then what's weird, it's like a year later, she's standing on the stage here at Vertigo proclaiming the word of God to you. Why? Because she stepped out in faith, and God began to use it to shape her life. And then, and then there's, there's Oscar. I had notes here. I was like, I should ask permission to share people's like mission strip stories. I forgot. 
can I? Okay, good. Be really awkward. He's like, no. <laughs> Heck no. I just remember, you know, the, the, just in some moments that God was really just working on Oscar and just putting this level of faith in his heart. And there's a moment where he was talking to this, this one kid. And bottom line, story, I mean, he prayed for healing for a child in North Spirit Lake. And it actually happened. Now, I know, like, think about it for a minute, but what are the ripple effects? What happens when a kid experiences the power of God in healing their body because you were in the right place at the right time and just had the faith to ask Jesus? And what about Brad? And what about Marin, who's not here? And what about Jess? See, none of them would stand up here and say, you know, God has called me into full-time ministry in the church, definitely going to be a pastor. But for Brad, for Marion, for Jess, not at all. You know, God called them to get up and go this one time. And because they were faithful, 70 kids were taught about Jesus and had the best week of their year. That's what happens when we obey God. And I just believe that every follower of Jesus does actually need to go on at least one mission trip in their lifetime, preferably before you graduate high school. And it doesn't have to be North Spirit Lake. It just has to be somewhere. You need to do this. And this may be your year. And I'm not saying this all as a promotion for our mission trip. It's just that the two things line up so well. It's just that like Ananias, God may be tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, listen, I know you think you know where your life is going, but I'm going to call you to take a little bit of a time out to do something wild and go on an adventure, and this is my specific plan for your life. And you know what? It's going to shape you, and it's going to make eternal ripples. And the thing is, whether you're Saul or Ananias is irrelevant, whether it's the call to go into ministry full-time, and that's going to be your job, or whether it's the call to take a time out of your life to obey God specifically, specifically to make ripples it doesn't matter you just need to obey you need to obey and when I look back at that moment when I was 13 it wasn't actually that I couldn't hear God clearly it was that I was afraid it was fear that kept me from hearing it was I was afraid that what if what I think God is calling me to do what if I what I think God is saying is what he's actually saying and so, you know, my brain just substituted and said, uh, I'm not sure what God is saying. Because it was easier to believe that than God might be saying for me to do something scary. But what I really needed was a dose of courage. And, and the truth is, as a community, that's all we need. We need a dose of courage to stand up and follow God when he gets specific with us. Last week, so many of you were courageous to step out and just to cry out for God's healing in your life so that you could be the light that you were meant to be. But this week, I'm asking, will you be courageous and acknowledge if God is calling you to something specific? You may not have all the answers, but you might have the first step. And maybe it is North Spirit Lake 14, or maybe it's Vertigo Co-op, or maybe it's Bible College, or maybe it's YWAM, or maybe it's starting a small group, or maybe it's just doing something different. But whatever it is, your heart is pounding inside you because you know it's time to get out of the realm of safe and step out in faith. And that is my prayer for our community. See, I don't want Vertigo to be a community of safe. I want it to be a community of dangerous where we are dangerous to the darkness in this world because we are just crazy and daring enough to respond to God and obey Him when He taps us on the shoulder. That's what I pray. And so I hope you will. Can we stand together? You have so many opportunities in front of you and I just pray that God would speak to you as you respond, but... 
Let me just pray for you, and then I'd love to give you the blessing. Father, I pray for every person in this room that you would give us the guts to respond the way you call us to. And Jesus, I pray that you'd make us dangerous. Amen. In ancient times, when a person wanted to give another a blessing, they'd raise their hands like this, and those who received the blessing would do the same. If you'd like to receive a blessing from God, just put your hands up in the air. Great. May you never back down from the things that God puts in front of you. May you never give up on striving to hear his voice. And may you be bold enough to believe that God can sustain you wherever he calls you to go. Amen. Thanks so much. Two things. If you have questions about the missions trip, I'll be down here in the front. Second thing is, can I meet with as many student leaders as possible before you leave? Thank you.